Welcome. Good evening, everyone. So we gathered on the auspicious occasion of the uh, commemoration of the appearance of Ram, and um, we'll speak a little bit about that. And uh, perhaps we should, uh, well, we must, I would say, defer to the, the Ramayana and the author of the Ramayana. Ramayana means the, the story of Ram, and the story has an author, and it has a beginning in, in time as far as its authorship, uh, while at the same time the authorship and, and the text itself takes us beyond uh, time, into the timeless. Uh, so, uh, from a literary point of view, the Ramayana is the earliest of the uh, Indian poetic epics, and um, it's quite a lengthy one. It's, I think, twenty about 24,000 uh, Sanskrit verses. 408,000 words <laughs> and it's uh, comparatively to the Greek Iliad it's about four times longer than that which was a long book in itself hmm. um, and because it is the first of such a genre of sacred texts amongst the sacred texts of the Hindus there are different genres so this is the poetic epic genre uh, because of that, sometimes the author, uh, uh, Valmiki, hmm, is um, uh, referred to as Adi Kavi. Adi means, in this context, original beginning. Kavi means poet, so the original, original poet. <laughs> that title is given to different people at different times, but... Uh, uh, the reasons I'm explaining, he is sometimes thought of as such within the Hindu uh, culture. And Valmiki is his name. Valmiki is a name that derives from um, the work itself, really. Um, and uh, it's a new name for the author who had a previous name, maybe uh, Ratnakar. I, if I recall correctly. And um, the story goes that um, he was uh, uh, born in a, a, a Brahmin family, even a family of, uh, of, from a Rishi, sage, if you will, but somehow uh, he got lost in the forest and was taken in by, by hunters. And uh, so he grew up as, as a hunter. And uh, and uh, things got worse, <laughs> um, and he became, for the sake of material prosperity and the never-ending demands of uh, the mind and the senses, pushing us, driving us as they do, with a sense that by acquisition we will become more whole and complete which is just the opposite. We, we just go into negative numbers. That's the idea of karma. You you borrow, it looks like you have lots of money, but if you read the fine print, you owe quite a bit more. So, driven by the sense of that by acquiring, I'll become whole. As much as we've identified with something that doesn't endure, the biological, psychological complex, if you will, and the and the extensions of that, if uh, the, the, the body is made up of senses, by extension, objects of the senses and so forth, that the world is made up of that world of mind, body, senses, sense objects we've identified with is something that's constantly in flux and changing, so there's no stability there. We look for stability, there's a sense of uh, incompleteness. Hmm? We look for it by adding something, putting the pieces together in a slightly different way, hmm? um, endlessly, and uh, never solving the, the problem because it's not to be solved by acquisition because he who or she who is trying to solve the problem is different in one sense from what the 
what the ingredients of the problem are. Consciousness is different from matter. If consciousness identifies with matter, it's got all the problems that matter have, which isn't a problem for matter. <laughs> for matter to be in flux and transformation and for a tree to turn into a seed, to turn into a tree, into a fruit, and so forth, or, 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 the, or the rock withered away by the, by the water, made more beautiful, perhaps, it could be said, and so forth. This constant flux, transformation of, of, of nature, the natural world, is not a problem. That's how the natural world works. But there's something that, that, that we call the observer of the natural world. And this is kind of like what life's about. What's out there and who's looking at it? <laughs> These are the only two questions, in one sense, that need to be uh, solved. If we've identified with what's out there and blurred the distinction between the observer and the observed, blurred the distinction between that which is experienced and that which has the capacity to experience, which is like worlds apart. Hmm? If we don't understand along these lines that experiential reality, experience does not arise out of non-experience. That's pretty easy to to put together. So there's non-experiential form of matter, and no matter how you combine it, it's not going to become an experience. There's something different called consciousness. And one of the ways in which it's different from natural world, as I'm saying, it doesn't transform. It doesn't take birth. It doesn't uh, age. It doesn't uh, produce byproducts. It doesn't get old, dwindle, uh, and, and die. It's not subject to such transformations. It endures while the world is here today and, go, and gone tomorrow. So, <clears throat> basic uh, uh, spiritual perspective, the perspective of the transcendentalist, is to r- resolve the problem by turning within rather than by acquisition and moving the outer parts and trying to add on and so forth to uh, let go of identifying with the parts that are going to keep in flux and if you stay attached to the transient uh, nature of the world, then you're going to stay in it. That's the idea of reincarnation. If you become detached from that, then you have no, no reason to return to it. Hmm? So to go within, to the self, right? this is the basic 101, so to speak, of uh, spirituality as we would uh, uh, view it. And... Um, um, so, uh, Ratna, let's call him Ratnakar, right? Before he became Valmiki, he was pressed, like everybody else in the world, by necessities that that the mind and the senses uh, continue to press us for, and are never fully satisfied. They're always ready to try some, try it another way. Something like a very oppressive kind of condition for the Atma to be. It's, it's of a superior nature. The observer is superior to the observed, but it, it's become subject to that which is observed. I've given an example before, just like someone might turn on the television and then be taken over by the television. Of course, if he ever turned it on, it wouldn't have any power over him whatsoever, and he can turn it off and walk away, or she can have a whole life independent of the couch, but it's possible, and it does happen that uh, potatoes grow on couches <laughs> even though it's not fertile soil <laughs> so so our our uh, Ratnakar was pressed by the just the nature of the material of samsara hmm? and this uh, confused thinking that by by acquisition that I'll become whole and complete and so forth and so he ended up doing things um, that were unbecoming. Um, and he became, as a hunter, he began to prey also on other persons who, uh, by taking advantage of, he could uh, make some um, immediate uh, gain for the satisfaction of his situation, which again had no end. Um, and so, um, a classical condition if you will, and um, on the scene appeared the Rishi Narada. Hmm? And uh, Narada uh, told him that 
you know, you are actually paying a very high price for what you're doing. So what do you mean? It didn't cost me anything. I just robbed this guy, and I, he he lost it, and I've got the jewels. And and Bernard explained to him that that um, that in the act of taking, there appears to be a gain, but actually there's a net loss because there are, there are repercussions to the taking. And when you take, you owe. So off to work you go. So there's ob- obligatory work. There are consequences for actions in human life. And so as he began to explain the bigger picture, Frodo's had a good he had a good background, although he was raised as a hunter, it it, it, it resonated with him. Um, so he was a quick enough learner in in connection with good association of the sage Narada and it hit him very very strongly, something that we could say many times and it could strike us, but we can't act on it. We can't fully act on it. But he was able to act on it in the immediate and wanted to remedy the situation, taken in by Nard's good company and advice. And so Nard advised him that the most uh, efficacious means to uh, disentangle oneself from the material predicament, which is one of being a taker, perceiving that you're you're in need, you feel uh, um, entitled to take, and we we're all hunters and we're all hunted, so we're in the land of exploitation. The best way to overcome that taking is to begin giving. You could stop taking, but you could give, and in the context of giving, you would not take, and there'd be something more. So this is the school of bhakti. In the school of jnana, it's the idea is to stop taking and stop interacting with the sense objects and so forth. But in bhakti, the idea is that, that we can interact with the sense objects, but for another purpose. We connect them and the world with to, to its source, to whom it belongs, so to speak. And then we make more sense out of the world. We can live in it and not be of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we can use our senses for um, something other than creating this false material identity that I'm the center, I'm the enjoyer, mm-hmm. by returning everything to whom it belongs, acting as such, uh, in relation to everything, then everything becomes friendly to you. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to fit everything into your conception of what it should be, based on I am such and such, so and so, of this nation, of this creed, of this uh, um, gender, race, and so forth. These are all very small ideas. These are all, ideas are all like, I am this, or I am that, as I sometimes say. I am this, I am that. I'm American, I'm Maybe I become a expatriate, um, a Republican could become a, a Democrat. I hope so, uh, or or vice versa. It could be good also at times. Um, people can change their their gender. Uh, all these things are very mutable. All these things that we've identified with as me, I am this or I am that. But in all of the I am this and I am that, which is constantly changing, there's something that remains constant, which is I am which is lost in thinking I am this or I am that. And the I am is a much bigger sense of self than I am this or I am that, which you can't be maintained and could, could change. And is, it, is that what you are? Are you sure? We'll just change the picture a little bit and then everything changes for, for who you are. Uh, so, so the I am, big idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and to develop that I am, this is the idea of bhakti, not just to stop taking, which would be the end of suffering, because if we take and we have attachment, then we're gonna, uh, that's a recipe for suffering. Because you can't keep the things that you're after, even though they give you some happiness, you can't keep them. So, well, the flip side of the coin is of attachment, and the enjoyment we drive from it is suffering. So, the wise person stops taking. But a wiser person, we would think, starts loving. And to love, there has to be someone to love. So, 
got to find somebody to love, as they used to say. So, so that's what we're trying to do here. That's the idea of Krishna and Ram and so forth. So Nara is introducing him to this idea. And how did he introduce him? He said, I want you to chant the name of the person who's really worthy of our love because the name represents the source, the consciousness source that we come from. We're on the circumference. We're sustained by the center. Hmm? The center should, the circumference should serve the center, that it may be sustained. If I have a center to my biological uh, body in one sense, it would be my stomach, that I have to put all the food there. If the hand decides, in conjunction with the tongue, hey, wait a minute, I give it to you, you give it to that stomach, he takes it all. Maybe we should keep, you keep half and I'll keep half. That won't be good for the hand, that won't be good for the tongue. Hmm? Right? So there's a the mystical truth about the stomach is that it can take the food and do with it what no other part of the body can. It can transform it in such a way that it can send energy to all the parts. So we're a part. We know that. And we, we should know that we're not the whole. Hmm? If we were the whole, we wouldn't be in the predicament that we're in. Otherwise, what kind of a whole would that be? <laughs> right? So, so this is a kind of a some kind of like common sense to Bhakti and Ram said so Narada said I want to introduce you to the center and goes by different names and uh, one of them is Ram Rama hmm. so Rama he said you should sit and just do repetition of this name hmm. meanwhile uh, Ratnakar said I don't know if I can do that hmm. I'm constantly preoccupied with thinking of killing things whether it be animals or robbing people and killing some of them as well and uh, and so I don't know if I can my mind is kind of somewhere else I hear what you're saying but my mind is to sit down and just concentrate on the opposite of what I'm doing might be difficult so Nard said no no you sit and do that and, but do it like this instead of chanting Rama chant Mara Mara means death he said oh, I can do that I can meditate on death Mara. So he sat and chanted Mara. Of course, if we can't chanting Mara, 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 it turns into Rama. So it's a circular affair. So uh, the wisdom of the guru, <laughs> uh, working with you, working with the mind, instead of going against it entirely. Hmm? Um, and so he sat and he chanted Rama, 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 Nard left. And, and um, the reason uh, that his name changed was because he got so absorbed in this sound, Rama, hmm, given to him by his guru, Narada, said it's the name of God. Yeah, so uh, he, he chanted the name. He got what? What's in a name? This is. It's not like Coca Cola. Coca Cola. Yeah, if you just, if you chant Coca Cola, you, you might be identified with a Coca Cola and get thirsty or something, uh, or vomit. Uh, one of the two. Uh, but. Uh, uh, but uh, it said, "Did you get his name?" Hmm. Then, oh, then you can track him down, so to speak. So, so the name is um, a person's in their name, so to speak. Uh, and this is true, even materially speaking, to some extent, right? As I give the example, uh, your name, your social security number—they can track you down, get your, take your whole identity. Hmm? So, if you get the name of God, you can get the whole of God. Is the idea? This is a, is a in. Inroad. If you got the name, okay, now we got him. It's just a matter of time. Hmm? Hmm. So if you get the name of God from someone who knows and gives you the right name, then you, you, you've got the key, so to speak. Hmm? And so this this is then the, 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 the password for entering in to the life of the Godhead and participating in that life in some reciprocal type of uh, relationship with our source. That's what bhakti is. Hmm? There's a unity in that, and there's a diversity in that, too. Love requires some difference, and love requires unity, both. Hmm? Um, so, in bhakti, we have this, this age-old kind of uh, uh, argument. It's one, it's different. Duality, non-duality is resolved in one sense in the Bhakti tradition it's one and it's different and I know that two don't go together but not everything that's real and true fits between the ears necessarily so 
in, in love, even materially speaking, which again is is a unity and a diversity at the same time. How can you explain it? What can you say about it? What can you tell your your daughter when she says, "Mom, what does it mean to fall in love?" And you just got to chuckle. It's cute. It's charming. And all you need, all I can do, all I can tell you about it will will not do anything for you, but just one stroke of it when you see uh, some young 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 fellow who attracts you, then you 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 will know, and you won't be able to explain it either. You'll be on tilt. Hmm? So, what do you think of love of love of God? This is transcends word, thought, and so forth. Doesn't mean we can't talk about it or think about it, but if we get tap into it, we'll start to function as if I can't talk enough about it, I can't think enough about it. Hmm? Such is the nature of the absolute. So he got absorbed, the point is, in chanting the name. What is in the name? Everything. The, the qualities, the form, the leelas, the play of the absolute. All in, all within the name. Everything about him you can find out. As I was, I've been giving that example from the name. So this is what he entered into hmm? in his heart. Hmm? The Leela of Ram began to manifest. And so he became oblivious to external conditions. And while he was so meditating, ants in the forest formed around him and climbed on him as if he was an inanimate object like a rock or something, sitting still, meditating on the name of, of Ram, and he become, became like a veritable uh, virtual anthill, unless you, you know, took off the ants and you saw there was a person there. And that's what Valmiki means. It means anthill. <laughs> so he was named after the condition that he was... Um, um, uh, from an external point of view, appeared to be in which was undesirable, which is an interesting point. It's uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made, made a nice statement. Um, the wonderful character of Prem, of love of God, is that outside it can look disconcerting, but inside it's full of, full of bliss. And conversely, material life could be dressed up and look good, but it could be pretty uncomfortable inside actually hmm. so there he was a very undesirable condition it would appear uh, covered by ants uh, and uh, when he Nard reappeared he came out of the trance and so forth I guess he brushed off the ants and then he was commissioned by Nard to write about that which he experienced through the virtue of the name and uh, and, and that was that he entered into the, the, the mytho-historic world of the sacred texts of the Hindus. And he, he entered into the, what that's called the, the Treta Yuga. You know, you have these Yuga cycles in um, in Hinduism. They don't really uh, uh, aren't so much meant to be a chronological, quantitative measurement of time as they are about a quality of time. Indeed, in Manusmriti it said that, that, that the person, the quality of the person corresponds with the age. The age corresponds with the quality of the person. So, so is it the, does the time make the people or does the people make the time? Hmm? Is, is, is the question. And, and the point is that there's some fluidity with regard to the quality of time, and you have at your disposal, uh, you can, as a human being, the ability to change the quality of the time. Hmm? You don't have to act according to the objective, if you will, quality of the time. Hmm? Um, so uh, we don't have to look at the ages and, and compare them to modern historical uh, time frames and so forth. Again, he was in meditation. He entered into the Treta Yuga. Hmm? There's the Sata Yuga, the Treta Yuga, the Dwarpa Yuga, and this is it to be the Kali Yuga. Not an, not an auspicious uh, time, but we can act auspiciously <laughs> and change that for ourselves and those around us. So, uh, so he entered into this Treta Yuga, and there he envisioned the whole story of of Ram. And interestingly enough. 
he envisioned himself within it as well. Mm. So through Nam, the name, he 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 became active internally, mm, and he developed a, a the form of a rishi, a sage, and he's found in the narrative of the Leela. Mm. At a certain point in the Ram Leela, Ram is banished to the forest. We'll go into it a little bit, but uh, at a certain point he stays at the hermitage of the rishi, who is, is Valmiki, in a different form in his meditative. Um, so to speak, creation of the Ram Lila. So, is, is you know, where is the Ram Lila? Well, it's in the heart of this Valmiki, and that's a good place to go. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a virtuous uh, story, and full of very um, wonderful and insightful philosophical um, instructions, implications, insights, and so forth, all to help us ourselves transcend time and space which if we're consciousness and we have no beginning and end we do transcend time and space so we owe it to ourselves right Hmm? to enter into a practice by which that can be realized and we can discontinue this identification with the temporal which is problematic for us because we're not temporal so um, so he entered in beyond time and space into the mystical uh, quality of the time called Treta Yuga, and there he envisioned Ram Lila, and he found himself in the Hermitage, as named Valmiki. Hmm? Ram stayed there, and at the end, at the very end of Ram Lila, hmm? well, we'll go into it a little bit. It's a nice, uh, I mean, it's twenty-four thousand Sanskrit verses, as I said. So. But the main uh, gist of the story uh, is that Ram uh, was uh, the uh, uh, son of Dasarath, the king of Ayodhya, who um, the king wanted to pass the uh, the throne onto his son Ram, and Ram was loved by everyone in the kingdom. And um, as it turned out, Dasarath had more than one wife and one wife he had given a promise to that if you ever want a boon from me for anything she had done something for him to warrant him to say that you, know, you just ask and it's, and it's yours you know. and so um, so she uh, along with everybody else was celebrating the coronation which was to happen in a day or two and everyone was making preparations and so forth but a a um, and, and uh, the figure of, of, of envy appeared in the Leela and pulled her aside and said, because Ram was not the only son and was not her begotten son, she being one of the wives of Dasarath, he said to her, listen, Dasarath has given you the benediction that whatever you ask for, you can get. So you should ask that your son should be the king, that Bharat should be the king rather than, than Ram and that Ram should be banished to the forest. So, uh, as good of a person as she was, we can be influenced by bad association and, and conspiracy theories and whatever, uh, you know. Uh, and so she got dragged down into the whirlpool of such. And um, so she asked her husband for that benediction, and when she said, what I want is that Bard will be named the king and Ram will be banished to the forest. Dasarath uh, just about died on the spot, and the whole kingdom was just thrown into distress. And I mean, I can't, you can imagine a little bit, of course, the text is so well written that it's really drawn into these emotions and feelings of the kingdom and so forth. And of course, Ram rises to the occasion, and, and he's the, really the personification of being morally correct, dharmically correct. And um, so, uh, well, they could have said, well, you know, that's, you know, going too far. He didn't want that his father's word, which his father had given, would not be upheld. So he said, I will take the curse, I will be banished to the forest, and Bart will be the king, and so forth. And um, so for the sake of honesty and, uh, and, and not allowing his father to be seen as... Um, um, to have... Uh, 
made a made a vow and not been able to live up to it and so forth. It's heart, it, it's uh, the heartbreaking kind of nature of being uh, doing the right thing, even though you know it might be painful. Something like this is throughout the whole uh, Leela of Ram. This extreme righteousness to so the point where you start realizing this can't be an ordinary person. Nobody could be so righteous. You know, if you take the small G, as I often refer to it, the moral good, as opposed to the capital G, absolute good. The moral good is, you know, it's 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 it'll never equal the capital good, and nobody can be, you know, fully morally good. And uh, it depends how you look, what angle you look at it from. You might be according to this group, but the other group have a different angle. But he was like so morally uh, stout that it's you got to understand it's no human could be like this. So you start to get the idea is a very special figure, right? If you're just reading the book without. Any, any previous understanding of its uh, origins and divine nature and so forth, um, because it's not overtly a divine book; it's a story, right? It's a poem. Mm-hmm. So, Ram goes to the forest, and his consort Sita goes with him, and Lakshman, who's one of his other brothers, he had a, 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 a three other brothers, two of whom were twins, Shatrughna and uh, and and Lakshman. And Lakshman, who is uh, Ram, is is Krishna in another leela. Lakshman is Balaram in another leela. So he left his wife Urmila and two sons hmm, to stay with Ram. Hmm. If you know something about Balaram, then you can appreciate that this this uh, subtle uh, point um, and assisted him in, in the forest uh, as the younger brother. Um, and so in the forest they were living they were banished for I don't know so many years 12 years or something whatever it was meanwhile in the forest uh, in another part of the uh, Bharat then you have this figure uh, who plays very prominently in the Ramayana uh, uh, called um, um, what's his name Ravana can't forget him Ramana was a ten-headed, ten-headed, uh, um, very materialistic person. Um, he said to have tried to build a stairway to heaven, a golden stairway to heaven. So the idea was that he thought that by, again, by material acquisition, he could conquer over and so forth. Just if he just got acquired enough, he could conquer the heavens and so on. Um, uh, if said if, this, if it said the streets are paved in heaven are paved with gold, said I'll make a gold. I got a gold. I'll make a gold staircase, and I'll walk there on my own. I don't need to serve anybody else to go there or whatnot. So he was quite a materialistic fellow, and um, one thing led to another, and there was some interaction between. Uh, 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 Ram and uh, this Ravana who Ravana representing unrighteousness, Dharma Adharma, Ram representing righteousness, but uh, he's not going out of his way, Ram necessarily uh, uh, this guy's got his, his, his feel over here, Ravana, but th- there was a some, there was some incidents, let's say, that occurred that caused him to uh, have to interact with Ravana. In particular, was uh, Ravana's sister got involved, and um, and um, and Lakshman turned her away, and uh, for good reason, brother of Ram. And so uh, she became upset with that and went back to Ravana and said you, you, you should do something about this guy in the forest this, this Ram and Lakshman so uh, he, became, he became interested in him and they thought hey, this guy could be a problem for me he's so righteous and so forth so Ravana sent um, uh, one of his uh, assistants to his idea was to capture Sita the wife of Ram and by capturing Sita, then he would he would take the life out of of uh, of Ram and be able to easily 
defeat him, something like that. So through intrigue and, and whatnot, and the assistant came as a mystic deer, and Sita wanted to see it, and so Ram went to catch it for him, for her, and uh, and then Lakshman's uh, then, he, then they heard Lakshman, Ram is calling, and uh, Sita said, "Go help Ram. He needs some help." And he said, "No, Ram doesn't need any help. I don't, there's, some, there's something amiss here." And uh, she said, I, th- "I think that you know." He, yeah, you're, you're, you're neglecting him and so forth. Put him in an awkward, Lakshman, the younger brother, in an awkward situation. Uh, and um, so he drew what's called the rock, what's called in Hinduism now the, the uh, Lakshman Rekha. It's like the, the red line, we say in English. If you go outside this line, it's over. So he drew this like, like a circle around her. She said, she said, he said, don't step out of this circle. And he empowered the circle. Don't step out of the circle no matter what happens, and I'll go see what what this is about. Mm-hmm. But I can't think that Ram is in any difficulty, so I, I think there's some 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 type of um, um, yeah, it's a, you know it's mischief is the word I'm looking for going going on. So she stayed inside the circle. Then, meanwhile, uh, Robin appeared, and he appeared in the form of a sage. Mm-hmm ability to change his form and he said oh uh, how fortunate I'm to meet a chaste lady like you in the forest uh, and uh, could you uh, give me some water or something like that uh, and so she thought okay I'm supposed to stay in a circle but not at the cost of doing the right thing and here's a sage and so for the sage I can step outside of the circle and of course um, there was her Mistake and Ram kidnapped uh, Sita. Excuse me, Robin kidnapped Sita. So Ram and Lakshman came back, and it turns out that you know, there was mischief and so forth. And now, of course, Ram had to go and bring back Sita and conquer over Robin. And it's a long story, obviously, and full of uh, uh, intrigue, which is very interesting to the common people romance, politics, uh, and so forth draws them in, but the, the spiritual and philosophical import of it is that nonetheless the same time impressed upon uh, their consciousness, and the, the divinity of Ram just, uh, and, and, the, and the interaction between Ram and his devotee, between Ram and Sita, between Ram and Lakshman, between Hanuman and Ram, the great monkey, who, the horde of monkeys that became his assistants. The implication is that Robin had all the money and big armies and everything, and Lakshman just had, and, and Ram, although a warrior, was in the forest, not with armies and cavalries and, and so forth, and his army was made up of monkeys. Hmm? It's similar to the Bhagavad Gita, where you have the Pandavas on one side, Krishna and the five Pandavas, and the whole rest is on the other side, hmm? comparatively. Krishna's side, the Arjuna's side, is way outnumbered. Hmm? Ram is way outnumbered, out militarily, you know, um, and the military might, I should say, of Robin far exceeded, it would appear, that of Ram. But of course, Arjuna was successful in the Gita, and Hanuman and the monkeys were successful, so we don't need anything. Hmm? to fight against the materialistic uh, uh, nature within ourselves. We, we don't need anything. We don't need, we don't need money. We, don't, we, just, we can sit like Valmiki and, and chant the name of Ram. Bring, some, bring Ram into your life, and then it'll be, you'll be able to do things you couldn't do otherwise. And so when you take a monkey and connect him with Ram, he becomes a Hanuman. Right? And so... Yeah, they went ultimately to the kingdom of, of Robin and he was defeated and uh, Sita was uh, was returned. They returned to Ayodhya. And in the end, then, um, everything was fine, but Ram overheard someone in the kingdoms questioning the chastity of Sita. Because, after all, she was with Robin for some time. And, and, and so he thought that was... Uh, that therefore... Ram must be henpecked or something. He must be controlled by by his wife. And what kind of a leader can be just controlled by their by their wife who's unchaste? 
was very unbecoming for him to think like that, but Ram overheard that. And so in order to free himself uh, from any um, question, so it's kind of a political lesson or a leadership lesson, if you will, that to, 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 uh, if the leader has some blemish, then it, it, it uh, detracts from our ability to trust in him or her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they would want to vet the, the person they missed out on the last one that they elected very carefully. <laughs> but, uh, and the one before that probably too, to some extent, many of them. But anyway, so, uh, um, to uh, be it, it beyond, it's just like it's just such an extreme because Sita was, you know, absolutely chased and so on and so forth. Anyway, to satisfy that, that no one could make such a claim, that he he banished Sita from the kingdom to live in the forest. It's the most painful part of the whole Ramayana. We think, how could he do that? And the interesting thing, one of the interesting things is that old Lakshman was always cooperative with with uh, Ram in every way, his younger brother. This is the one thing he objected to. He objected that oh, you can't do that. But but he did that, and there's higher purpose in mind and, and so on and so forth uh, just kind of to make that that point um, there should be a white cloth if there's a black spot it's going to stand out and if someone's going to be in a position of a teacher or a guru a leader in some respect then they should have exemplary character even such that there's even no place to even think maybe possibly and make up which is what this guy was doing hmm? right so to a very extreme he dealt with the issue and when Lakshman took Sita to the forest she was pregnant mm-hmm. so she stayed at where? at Valmiki's ashram mm-hmm. at Valmiki's and there Lava and Kush the young the, the two uh, final sons of Sita and Ram were born and uh, uh, Valmiki told them the whole story of their father in the kingdom of the Ramayana so forth. So it's a very kind of brief overview of a very powerful uh, book that's difficult to put 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 down um, uh, once you uh, start reading it. And, and again, it takes advantage of our human sensibilities and attraction for intrigue and romance and conspiracy and whatever and so forth. And uh, and in the context of that, it 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 it. it fills us with impressions of bhakti because what really the real story is one thing is the morality of Ram that is so extreme as I said that you start thinking he's not an ordinary person hmm. um, but and as you start to think like that then you start to look at those who are closely intimately associated with him Lakshman his brother who has fraternal love for him hmm. Sita who has romantic love for him um, the, uh, Hanuman who has like servile love for him, so these are all types of love that we experience in this world. We have, we have, we can experience uh, parental love. We can experience fraternal love, romantic love, servile love as a teacher might uh, have students, and so forth. And uh, this is kind of what life's about. These different types of, of love, if you will. The problem is, of course, they're centered on something or someone, uh, whatever. It's, it's not going to endure. And so the Bhakti idea is that all these types of relationships can be experienced in eternity in relation to Bhagawan, who takes who takes a human-like form in the Leela as Ram or as Krishna and affords us the opportunity to experience transcendental romantic love, transcendental uh, fraternal love. So what happens is you, you see the morality of Ram and you think he's not an ordinary person. And then you become attracted to his personality and so forth. Then you see the interaction between particularly Hanuman and him in that Leela. There's a window in that Leela that you could go through and become like a Hanuman. Hmm. Like develop servile, it's called Dasirasa, Dasirati, servile love for for Bhagawan. Hmm. Um, And so that's the higher end of it. You start to see these transcendental emotions. After all, just to end on this point, our emotional life is only possible because the Atma is touching 
in proximity to matter, it's making it move. Hmm? And it particularly it touches the subtle matter, the psychic matter, and it, that takes on a quasi-subjective uh, nature hmm? and personhood, right? It's a false personhood that doesn't, doesn't endure, and so forth. But the power of our emotional life derives from the atma, from consciousness itself. Therefore, consciousness unfettered by matter, both psychic and, 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 and physical, can have an emotional life. And that means that transcendence requires a transcendental, significant other, if you will. And that is the idea of Ram and Krishna. And we thank Valmiki for giving us a, a window into that, into his heart, and to all that lies within the name of Ram. Ram, Sitaram Kijai, Lakshman Hanuman Kijai. Any question? Yes. gave him some knowledge. Samadhyam means knowledge about bhakti. He gave him some knowledge, basic knowledge. He said, you're actually an atma. Hmm? And more, less is actually more. Hmm? And you're confused about that. And so he gave him some basic you know, instruction, but then how to take that. And then he gave him knowledge of the practice, chant the name, and so forth. Obviously it's all simplified for the sake of the the story and so on, um, but um, you know, he, he, he received some basic knowledge. I mean, he, theoretically, of course, yes. If you could sit and chant the name, then uh, everything will come from that. The point. So, if somebody can do that, well, fine. But most people can't, so they need some philosophy to to give them support to their practice. They need satsanga so forth uh, but there are examples in the literature of people who to a lesser degree or maybe not at all don't but but uh, that's to speak about the power of the practice itself but one's eligibility to practice may be limited and need support by, by association of others who practice by an underst- philosophical understanding of the implications of the practice so that your intelligence can be uh, spiritualized and fortified and applied to the practice rather than allowing your intelligence to be drawn by the senses and the, and the mind and, and to cons- and conspire with them to exploit. Hmm? You understand? One thing I should say about Sabandagyan is that, you know, this is a kind of knowledge that, that about the, how things fit together is what it, that it means from a metaphysical point of view. There will be different levels to which one has to acquire. You only need as much Sabandagyan as, as, as you need to fuel your practice. Hmm? Right? Not everybody has to become a scholar or anything like that. Uh, so, um, some people have more aptitude for that than, than, than others. But you only need enough to feel your practice. So I'm sorry, go ahead. different between the two because a person like Narada is is live, driven by the by the Shakti of Bhakti rather than the Shakti of Maya. Hmm? So he is the personification of that 
influence, so to speak. So bhakti uh, takes uh, root in the heart of a devotee, and as he cleanses away material attachments, which is like building a foundation, then the house of bhakti, the temple of bhakti, starts to develop in the heart, and at a certain point, it starts to overflow. And so through that devotee, in which that bhakti is starting to overflow, that bhakti shares herself with other people, hmm? both directly in an effort to do so, and indirectly, just, just by the movement of, the, of such uh, persons and so forth who are working under the influence of that inner bhakti shakti, their contact with people is, 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 is good for people. Hmm. Whether they... I'll give you a story that illustrates the point. One time, my guru, Rash Prabhupada, was riding in a car, and he was supposed to be staying in a, I think, speaking in a hotel or something like that, lobby or something like that. So uh, he was in the back seat, and there was a doorman at the hotel opening opening the doors, opening the doors. And so uh, that's all he does all day is open doors. But on this day, the car stopped, he opened the door, and and saint came out. So one of my godbrothers said, this, this, this day the guy opened the right door. <laughs> so uh, he, didn't, he didn't, he would just open the door, but he was facilitating a divine purpose, even unbeknownst to him, so it's a small, small beginning for him, because he was in touch with something and facilitated something that was uh, of, of such a spiritual nature. Do you understand? So, you know, we say, is Bhakti bestowing it or is Nara bestowing it? There's no difference between them. He's a personification of, 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 of Bhakti, and, and it's overflowing through him and touching others. Does that help? Anything else? I see again. Yeah. Okay. Sri Sitaram Hanuman Lakshman Kijai. Go on at the end of the video. Go on at the end of the video. Go with Premanam.